Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network podcast. Today, we have Anna L. DeSalvo, a life productivity coach. How many of you feel like you have perfectly productive lives? So at home, you feel super productive. At work, you feel super productive. Uh, Yeah, me neither. Um, So today we brought on Anna to kind of talk to us a little bit about productivity, you know, what it is, what it isn't, and how we can utilize time to be on our side. So welcome, Anna. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So, you know, Anna, nurse leaders are busy. We're pulled in a million different directions. Um, Half the time we don't get one thing done before we have to start refocusing on a fire or something new. Tell me a little bit about you know, what the concept of being busy is and how it kind of shows when you're always busy, the way you value your time. Yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons that I got into productivity coaching in the beginning was because I felt the same way. And uh, as a teacher, you know, I had the same problem where I was being pulled in a million directions, not just at work, but also at home. And over the course of my life, I've actually had a very unique uh unique motherhood journey. Um, I started as a mom young and, you know, went to college with my daughter who was six months old at the time and I didn't have enough time. And uh, then, you know, years later I became a single mom and I decided (laughs) that's not hard enough. So I was going to go back to school and get my master's degree and as a single parent and work full time. And I didn't have enough time. And then years later, I became a mom uh, with a blended family. And my, you know, I have a teenage daughter now and a husband who likes to leave his socks all over the floor. And, <laughs> and I don't have enough time. And so I just remember getting to my fed up point. And maybe you or some of your listeners can understand this where I was laying on the couch, I was exhausted after work. I look over, the laundry's piled up. And my daughter comes up to me and asks, What's for dinner? And I just kind of lost it, you know, and it was my realization that nobody else was going to change my situation for me. I needed to change it for myself. And so I kind of became, went on this journey where I got obsessed with how do we make the most of our time? And so to answer our question, like, you know, time is finite in terms of the hours on paper, but we can do some things to make the most of it so we're not feeling pulled in a million directions so that we can make the most use to it so we can understand how our focus works in our lives and use it to our advantage. And that's what I get so excited about. So I invested in a coach. I've invested in several programs. Uh, I probably have every single planner that you could have ever imagined <laughs> just to test it out for people. And uh, I have some great tips that I hope will help you um, and your listeners just kind of feel like they are living a life of ease instead of feeling pulled in a million directions. Ease sounds so good right now. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about what some of those tips are. I mean, do the tips vary for, uh, say, those who have children at home or those who have children not at home or those that don't have children or those Mm -hmm. that have spouses? What does what productivity look like um, based on, you know, the different scenarios we might be living in? Sure. I think when, before, like, t- 
talking too much about the tangible things that I can take, I think the biggest thing that we can all relate to is we don't value our time enough. You know, we're trying to do too much. We are trying to be everything to everyone. Or um, maybe we just get arm grabbed a lot. And I think that regardless of where you are at work or at home, we feel that pressure all the time for things to happen now. And um, a lot of that starts with just kind of centering yourself and realizing that time might may be finite. And so we have to protect what we have and focus on the most important things that at the end of the day are going to uh, be the biggest bang for our buck is kind of the way uh, I like to put it. So maybe if you are a working mom, that might mean getting things at home running more smoothly. Um, Not that it's only your responsibility. And in fact, I teach that it is not only your responsibility to make sure the house uh, is, you know, running smoothly so that when you come home, you're not putting out fires too. And um, that does look different, I guess, depending on how old your kids are. So my daughter's older, but it can start as early as three or four years old that your kids can start helping more and more and more around the house. And then also getting significant others on board as well to make sure that you're not just doing everything. A lot of times we kind of, especially as working moms, we get into that mindset of, well, nobody helps out. Um, And so we can kind of take that on and decide, okay, well, um, it feels like I'm not getting a lot of help. Where do I need help? And then that's kind of where delegation comes in, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Then at work, um, that might mean a variety of things, but just putting some obstacles in place to make sure that not everyone can get you all the time. Because, you know, as a nurse, you are getting arm grab for things that are kind of important, right? Yeah. (laughs) So it's not going to be that you're going to be able to always have control of where your energy goes. But if you know exactly what you need to get done by the end of the day, your arm grabs, you can plan in for that wiggle room for the arm grabs that will inevitably happen to you instead of getting frustrated or feeling like, oh, there's just not enough hours in the day. I think for people who aren't parents, it's really about understanding where your time is going and putting in, you know, being really intentional about where you spend your time. A lot of times what I'll do, especially with my clients, is we'll look over how much time you're spending on your phone, you know, Uh, we'll look over how much time you're spending driving around in your car. And that's true for everybody. But when you um, don't necessarily have a lot of people to delegate to, maybe it looks like you just getting really intentional with your time and prioritizing the right things. So at the end of the day, like you said, you get that life of ease that we're all kind of craving. Yeah, I think as you talk about valuing your time, Los Angeles and the rest of the world really had a life check when Kobe and his daughter and the other passengers passed away um, last week. And so it's actually been a week today. And so I think, you know, I've seen on social media, all of these posts about value your time, and you just don't know when your time is going to be done. And what is it that you want to leave your mark on? And it hit particularly home for me, because um, I lost my daughter three years ago, she passed away. And I did not realize what you could accomplish in your life in Mm -hmm. such a short time, nor did I realize how valuable the little things that I didn't see as valuable before, um, how valuable they truly were, because we just don't know. And, and, you know, most people don't expect um, others around them passing away, but Mm -hmm. it's inevitable, right? It's part of our life. And so I think, you know, you touching on valuing time, it's just a perfect time to be talking about it. um, And a perfect time for those of us who 
you know, are just busy, 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 and not really taking the time to be grateful for things, to really take a step back and take a look at where we're at with our life and if we're satisfied with that. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, first, it's kind of this attitude, like, I am going to protect my time. And then it's really evaluating what you want to be spending your time on, you know, looking at your life in all the areas. One of the things that I I do in, um, I have this mini course in my free group about, you know, what is your priority? And we look at that by how you feel about the different areas of your life and how can we set up our daily to-do list at home and at work to honor that priority so that we aren't feeling pulled in a million directions. A lot of times we feel that way because we don't really know the thing we should be focusing on. You know, we're not really sure the thing that's going to give us the biggest bang for our buck. And so that awareness really allows us to say yes and no to things along the way, which is not as easy as I'm saying, I know. (laughs) Um, Yes and no along the way more confidently. But I think you bring up a good point is that when we have these tragedies, it gives us that reality check of, wow, time should be valuable. You know, we have only a certain amount of time that we are going to be here. And I, I also have a really big perspective that we can feel like there is enough time, even if, you know, we don't get to control how many hours in the day, but nevertheless, being conscientious of the fact that time, we don't have control of the hours, but we can make use of the hours that we have here. Um, is incredibly important and never um, more so important than when we have a tragedy, you know, on the forefront. But even carrying that perspective into your daily life of like, what am I spending my time on? You know, just even asking yourself that question, like, what am I spending my time on? And if it's hard to answer that question, then we can get a little bit more intentional about where your priority is, what you really want to be doing with your time, and then how to make some of the things in your life that maybe aren't part of your priority more streamlined so that they don't interfere with your priority. Okay. So what's this, what's the sequence? We, we talked about, you know, first step is really just understanding how precious and valuable your time is. Um, Once we've, you know, had that reality check, which I think Mm -hmm. most of us have over the past week, especially, you know, where do we go next? How do I, how does the listeners really determine you know, how do we become more productive? How do we um, make sure that our that our attention is where it needs to be and nowhere else? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to start with is what are the things that are pulling you in a million directions right now? So like if you're a parent, you come home and the first thing you do is you walk in the door and somebody's like, mom, I need you, you know, or dad, <laughs> I need you, right? Right now, there's no excuses. I need you right now. And there's a couple of things that you can do in those scenarios to ensure first is training people how to treat you. You know, it's really, and that goes for at work and at home. I am, we hear that phrase all the time. Like you teach people how to treat you, but a lot of times we don't apply it into our personal relationships or even our work relationships because fear, right? We don't at work in particular, we don't want to get fired or we don't want people to be mad at us or we don't want to let down our team even. Um, And at home, I think it's, especially for working parents, it might be a little guilt, you know, like I've been away all day, you know, my kid is asking to, for me right now, I need to be there. And slowing that time down and realizing, okay, time is valuable. And so I can actually be more present when uh, I am more intentional about 
what I'm getting arm grabbed for. So when your kids need you, when you come in the door first over time, you know, having some kind of phrase or something that you um, let them know, Hey, I'm available at this time. You know, just having a simple phrase that you can tell to anyone and at work, always looking ahead to what the obstacles might be for the day. So, I mean, I'm not sure as a nurse, what kinds of things come up for you in a day. Um, and they're probably not predictable when they're going to come up. Am I right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, some of them we kind of maybe know are going to come, but a lot of times, I mean, we're dealing with humans. So, um, you know, a lot of the times I think they aren't predictable or we have the illusion that they weren't predictable because we didn't use the tools that we had mm -hmm. in place yeah. to actually be able to predict them, to be honest. Yeah. And so usually there's some patterns I go along with. And as a teacher, you know, I get arm grabbed by 25 little ones on a day to day basis, and it's really training them to know when is the right time to interrupt and when it's an emergency and when it's not an emergency. And like you said, using your tools to look ahead, right? What are the things that normally arm grab me in a day, you know, and planning those in, planning in buffer, how long do they usually take, you know, and then thinking about it and then actually creating that buffer time in your schedule. So I use a time tool to do this, um, you know, time boxing or time blocking, and people always get a little bit hesitant about it because they're like, I don't live a rigid life. That's not how my life works. And what I say always is that structure creates flexibility because when you know, like you, when you said, when you know what those obstacles are, you can plan around and you can move around your schedule. So if you know when you go in for the day exactly what needs to get done, you know, um, I teach people for a three-part to-do list. There's only three things that are like your major has to do. Somebody, Something bad is going to happen if we don't do those things done. And then uh, giving yourself the wiggle room and giving yourself the grace to be able to be pulled in, you know, off that, those three things to do uh, the tasks that you have to do at work. And at home, what that looks like is having specific times that you are available and having specific times that certain things need to get done. Oh, I'm available at this time for our family time. Oh, I can help you with that in 30 minutes. I need a few minutes to decompress or I need to get the dishes done or I need to get dinner on the table. These are all strategies that we can use looking ahead, planning in that buffer time, and then also teaching the people around us when we are available instead of getting irritated that we aren't available, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. As I've been on my nurse leader journey, um, I've found several best practices in terms of um, blocking out time for things like patient rounding and direct report rounding. So I know at several of the places that I've worked in the past, they'll block out um, specific times during the day, every day for 100% of the leaders so that they're doing the same types of rounding because we know it's necessary and we know things can creep into that time. But it's just known across the entire hospital that we don't interrupt that time. It's protected time. And so and in many, many organizations that met folks that do the same thing. And so I think it is a good practice to kind of block out at work. And I, you know, I never thought about doing that at home. I get mm -hmm. home and I don't have a schedule like I would have at my job. I just kind of come home and, you know, I know dinner needs to be done in some mm -hmm. fashion. Um, I know dishes need to get done and pets need to be fed and kids need to take baths. But mm -hmm. we don't really have kind of a good schedule. And so I can see how doing that um, might create some clarity for when we, you know, when it's actually family time, like the quality time that we know is super important. 
Yeah. And kind of speaking to what you're talking about at home, a lot of times we maybe have these skills at work or or we're practicing some of these productivity tips at work and they translate so much to our home life. But what gets in the way a little bit is like, well, when I come home, I'm tired. I don't want to be thinking about what time it is in order to do this, this, and this. And what I encourage for my clients and my community is that when we start doing those things, we don't have to think when we get home. So it takes off the burden of, oh, I have to get dinner done. I have to get, you have that flexibility. You're like, okay, well, we usually have dinner around six o'clock and usually it's about an hour and I have about, you know, 30 minutes to get things cleaned up. And then, you know, that's an hour and a half of your night or something like that, or maybe even two hours. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's a lot of time. But when you're running around like crazy and not even thinking intentionally that much is in your head, then you're thinking, oh, but I also have to get done this, 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 and this. And you know, usually we need to be a little bit more intentional about those nighttime hours so that eventually maybe you do have a little bit more wiggle room and can get a couple more things done before bed. But that to-do list can be put to, to to rest a little bit. And the understanding is, no, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. You just, that's a lot of stuff to do, try and do in one day, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. and like, oh, the laundry needs to be done. Oh, this needs to be done. So streamlining some of those activities um, and, making it so you're not making decisions about them. Even something as small as picking out your clothes on Sunday night, you know, this prevents us from having that decision fatigue um, where we have made so many decisions in a day that we just, we have the inability to make good decisions. And therefore that is when we do things like lose our cool on our kids <laughs> uh, and maybe even our significant others. Why is, won't anyone help me? Um, because we've made decisions all day and now the evening comes and we have to make more decisions and we're exhausted. We're depleted. So when we streamline some of those activities, oh, we usually have dinner around this time. It doesn't have to be like, if we don't have dinner at six o'clock, everything is going to go terribly, you know? Uh, but we usually have it around this time. I know I need to get the kids in bed by eight o'clock. We're able to make things around that more flexible and therefore not feel like, we have to have everything be perfect by the end of the night, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And it resonates so much. Uh, a friend of mine and I, so myself and a friend, um, we're actually just joking and actually like half not joking about, mm -hmm. you know, we make so many decisions at work because of our roles that when we get home, our pet peeve is when our significant others like what's for dinner. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you tell us what's for dinner. We've just made all these decisions. You can choose what's for dinner. And so it actually becomes a source of like frustration and arguments, mm -hmm. which is, you know, deciding dinners. And then that, that's where you see all those memes joking around about like couples and they're fighting about what's for dinner and who can pick and all of those kind of things. So I can <laughs> see how maybe putting some planning around that, too, would would eliminate that source of stress and that decision fatigue, which is actually a word I had never used before. And so it makes a whole lot of sense because when you've been at work all day, the last thing you want to do is have to make more decisions. You want to just kind of go home and try to relax. Right. And when we put a lot of these things on routines um, or even systems, like you were mentioning right now with meal planning, like we already know what we're having for dinner when the week begins and all the recipes are in one location so anyone can take them over. Um, and that kind of, you know, when when somebody does ask you what's for dinner, that's when you can kind of have those key phrases. Um, oh, let's check the menu. And it's training people where to look and what to look for so that 
they are empowered to take over, which is that teamwork component that we can talk about as well, that they're empowered to take over some of the things in the house because the tools are available. Um, And sometimes, especially with our significant others, we have to be a little bit more blunt. We have to be like, I really need your help making dinner on this night and this night. Um, And as our kids get older, they can start taking over some of those things as well. For a while, our daughter has made dinner um, one night a week. So that, you know, that takes it off our plate. We get to sit on the couch and look at our phones if we want to. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but it helps them. I I tell Mm -hmm. my daughter, because she's 18 now, and I realized I made a tremendous mistake when the only thing she could cook at 18 was eggs and they weren't even that good. And so (laughs) now I'm really trying to get her because I'm like, Des, you're going to go to college and, you know, you can cook a top ramen and eggs and that's probably not very healthy. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I totally get it. I'm interested. You know, you said you you have all the meals in one place and you have a menu. Where do you have like an electronic thing? Do you print stuff out and leave it on the counter? What does that look like? Um, yeah, so for us, ours is it's a cute di- dry erase board that is um, listed out daily. I found it at Home Goods, or you know, I found it at some location of a store that has home decor. Um, but you can do. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. It could be something you print out and you write it out on a menu planner calendar. It could be something that is just a regular old whiteboard that's on and listed out daily what that looks like, but it's visible. And we had to train everybody in the house to look for it. So my daughter would ask that question, that inevitable question, what's for dinner? And I'd be like, oh, well, you can look on the whiteboard in the kitchen. And you know, then she had a place to go. And then also I didn't hear it when she was complaining about what was for dinner either. So <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> And the biggest thing that I always teach with all of my clients is just whatever system you have in place, make sure it's visible for anybody so that anyone can take it over. So there's routines, which are like kind of when things are going to happen. They generally happen in the same way. That might be how your night goes. You know, you generally have dinner around this time and then the flow of the evening goes in a certain way. And then there's systems that are written plans that are in the house and they're posted and visible to in, so anyone could take them over. So for instance, I got the flu, you know, over Christmas time and I was down and out, right? And during that time, it was, you know, the house continued to run. It didn't run as well as, you know, let's be honest, it didn't look the way I wanted it to when it was done. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, anybody took over, they took over the laundry, they took over the dishes, they took over the meal planning. These are all systems that we have in our house that are posted. There's a specific location for them. Um, they're written out and anybody can access them in case, you know, of a situation where I'm not available or don't feel well. And, you know, that goes for anyone, anyone who's feeling like it's only their job to do something in that at work as well. Creating a system or creating something written for somebody to refer to, you can refer somebody to it instead of having to explain it to someone. Therefore, it takes you out of the equation and you are no longer spending your time and energy th- uh, you know, doing the thing, teaching the person how to do the thing, and then thinking in your head, I should have just done it myself anyway. That's interesting. When you say you have you know, systems and, and um, things like that at home, is it you know, like on Thursdays we do laundry and on, or what does it look like? Yeah. So in our home and it's different for everybody because it really depends on your lifestyle. A lot of people have like sports after school and they, you know, their nights might look a little bit different than ours. But, um, and for our week, I, I personally only do laundry on Sundays. That is my personal policy. 
And so if somebody in the middle of the week were to come to me and say, hey, I, I need pants. Oh, you're welcome to take over the laundry today. You know, that way, again, it is me saying when I'm available or I'm happy to wash them on Sunday, you know, when I'm available instead of being like, well, I'm not going to do that for you, you know, (laughs) and it makes the evening, it makes delegating a lot easier. Um, So that's kind of my personal policy. And then we do our meal planning on now we do it on Saturdays and we put in our order. So that way we can go pick up our groceries uh, on Sunday. Um, I kind of use Sunday as my Saturday is my day off from everything. And then Sunday is my day that um, I call it set it up Sunday. And we kind of get the week set up for success. So we do our meal planning or we have our meal planning done at that point. Laundry is done that day. And then I pick out my clothes for the week. Again, these are small things, but they prevent decision fatigue. So during the week, you're not in the morning. You're not like, where are my pants? Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, Which I am every morning. Yeah. My pants are my skirt. Where are they and why aren't they ironed? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, using Sundays to kind of do that uh, allows you that grace in the morning to not be running out the door while also looking for your kid's shoes or, you know, trying to figure out where you put your keys. Um, and then I also, at, speaking of teamwork and delegation, at, when my daughter was eight years old, I taught her how to do laundry. And she does her own laundry. So I'm not responsible for her laundry anymore. Um, And that's just kind of how things work in our house. Systems might be laundry. It might be meal planning. It might be, um, you know, how you put your laundry away, which I have a system for as well. These are just things over time that they're done in a certain way to make sure that they get. So make sure that they're done kind of the way you want them to, but also to make sure that I don't have to think about it. Right. Um, systems for putting how you put away the dishes, um, systems and routines for how you clean up dinner afterwards, everybody's responsible, that kind of thing. I love that. And I can see how it can translate really easily into work. I'm thinking right now, like, okay, you know, we have positions that are requested as nurse leaders. And so specifying a time during the week, like every Wednesday, you have them in or they don't get approved until following Wednesday or just different systems in terms of how you can set up your week. And I really like the set it up Sunday. I'm thinking maybe there's a way to incorporate a set it up Monday for the actual work week where you kind of sit down on Monday morning and go through and prep your weekend so that you could anticipate, if you know, you have a high census or if you know, it's the, you're in academia and it's the first week of school or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, just taking out some time in that set it up Monday, mm-hmm. uh, first hour or two of you being in, at work to just really kind of set up your week and how easy that would flow. I'm like falling in love with the idea as we were <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, you, you mentioned just something small there, like, oh, just taking the first hour of your day. Like once you do this and you start doing it, it will take you less than five minutes because it's like when you first are learning something new, right? We're not very good at it. So it takes us like long time. And we have to remember that over time that it gets easier. And so therefore our process for it becomes more streamlined and therefore it becomes easier for us and it takes less time. So now when I do my set it up Sunday, which also includes, like you're saying, planning your week um, and then communicating it with, you know, my husband. Um, It takes me five minutes. Whereas before when I first started this, you know, like you're saying, it took a little bit longer. And then we get discouraged and we're like, oh, this takes too long. I'm wasting so much time. But it saves you time in the long run because you're not being pulled in a million directions. It's one of the things with focus. If we are pulled off task, it takes us time to get reoriented back into the task. And so those arm grabs really 
they don't just make it hard for us to do our job, but they make it hard for us to even get the thing done that we're trying to get done. So everything takes longer. Streamlining everything up front, you're like, oh, I kind of know that I need to be available to my staff, like you're saying, at this time, or I need to be available to my family at this time. And then the hardest part, which I teach all my clients, is the boundaries, you know, setting those things in place. That's the easy part. It's holding those that is the hard part. So it's nobody else's job to hold those boundaries except for yourself. And so somebody's still inevitably going to come up to you when it's not time to do a certain activity. And that's when you can refer them back to when the time is to take care of that. So if you have a Wednesday, like you're talking about where, oh, that's when all the things need to be submitted. Oh, feel free to put it in that pile and I'll get to it next Wednesday versus, you know, you were supposed to get it done by Wednesday. You know, it just gives us that different mindset about it that, hey, we have a system in place. Yeah, you're you're welcome to put it in that pile and I'll take care of it next Wednesday. It's saying when we are available versus feeling frustrated that somebody is not adhering to our boundaries. That's a good tip. What, um, you know, you talked earlier about um, setting up obstacles so that it's not, you're so that you're not as easily accessible. What might that look like both at work and at home? Sure. So, At work, it might be setting up email responders during certain times to tell where, when and where you are available. Um, It might be setting specific times that you're available for meetings. Like for me, I only stay late on Mondays. Every other day, I'm only available until a certain time. Um, And it might look like um, just not physically being in a space that can be accessible to other people. It might be looking for an alternative area where you can kind of hide out. I mean, it sounds bad, but <laughs> put yourself in and make it hard for people to come get you, you know? So for me, that might mean turning off my lights in my room and closing my blinds. So that way it's harder for people to come in and just be like, oh, uh, Anna's available, you know? It yeah. gives a signal to people that, hey, or even like something as like, you know, overt as putting a sign up. When I'm in when in my home office, like I have a door that closes and I have a little door handle that says, you know, mom's not available, you know, so that way other it's a signal to other people when I am available or when I'm not and it the door is closed. So it's more of a boundary. Now, again, that especially as when kids are younger, they don't necessarily always listen to that the first time. And so it's training everybody and your even your employees or people that you work with might not listen to it at first and to train them to be like, oh, the door's closed and I'll be available at this time. Just small things like that can help you maintain your attention on some a task and the task gets done so much faster because you're not being interrupted all the time. Yeah, I can see that. Here at home, I um, I, I have a home um, podcasting setup. And so I have a cute little sign that says podcasting mm-hmm. in progress. And so they know when that sign goes on the door, like they're, they can't even walk by the door. They have to stay away from the door. So uh, I, I can see how that could be translated at work in a mm-hmm. way where, you know, okay, this is, this is my time that we're not doing anything other than what it's designated for. So thinking about that, and like we mentioned, there's, you know, when you're caring for humans, there's always all kinds of unex- unexpected and unplanned um, obstacles. What are some ways we could do? What are some things that we could do in terms of, you know, we have our day planned out, we think we know exactly what we're going to do, and then something pops up. Is there a way to plan for those unplanned obstacles? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, strategy there is making sure that you have buffer time. So whenever I plan out activities, things that I have to go do or even work, I always, when I'm time boxing my day, 
at home, I always plan for drive times. And then I add 15 minutes before and after to everything. That way I have wiggle room. Um, so that way, if something does come up or last minute, my dog has to go out or when I'm at work last minute, um, I need to go take something to the office or, um, somebody gets sick, you know, all of those things have the grace and the time to deal with. So we're not trying to pack too much into one day. And then also really knowing what your have-tos for the day. So I I call them, you know, must-dos and may-dos and the the three must-dos for the day. Like something will happen if we don't do these things. Like there's a deadline for something or, um, you know, at home it's like, you know, I guess feeding people probably is important. (laughs) People and pets. (laughs) Yes, like that. We need to be doing that, right? Um, (laughs) And what are those things and identifying them and then maybe letting some things go. When we're really intentional about our time, we understand where we have the wiggle room and where we don't have the wiggle room. So if something comes up, we're able to move something to the next day. I was just talking with uh, one of the women in my community today. And she was saying, you know, before I just felt like I had to get everything done all the time and and there was no excuses. And she's like, now, you know, even if I don't always have all the help that I want or need, I know what needs to get done and what maybe I could save for the next day if something were to come up and arm grab me. So it's really building in that time allowance to, you know, plan for these, you know, unforeseeable obstacles that come into play. And then also um, just making sure that you know what has to get done and what is a little bit more flexible. Yeah, I think that's also a great point because when I sit there and look at my to-do list, I don't have it in any particular order of what must get done or not. I just kind of list out what I want to get done that mm-hmm. day. Um and then, you know, but I think because we have this feeling or notion of being busy, um, I don't get to the actual kind of prioritization of the list. I mean, in in most of the cases I do, but when it comes down to like every single thing on that list, I don't think right. I sit down and I'm very intentional about like, well, if I don't get this done today, it's not going to be the end of the world. And I think that goes to, goes back to our mental health as well. When we when we know that there's something on the list that doesn't necessarily need to get done and doesn't get done, you're, I don't think you're as hard on yourself as if you look at your to-do list and you're like, oh, I only accomplished 50% of it today. Yeah. And I always tell people, if your to-do list is that long, we we need help, you know, or we need to like prioritize this because when you really look at it, like a lot of times we'll say, oh, my to-do list is long. I have to get everything done. And then when we look at it, it's like, oh, I really only need to get these three things done today, you know, or we have to be a little bit shrewd, like saying, this is really important. This is kind of important. And this is not, this is what I'd like to get done, you know, and being a little bit more discerning about those things. Because when we look at just that full to-do list, it becomes overwhelming. There's, there aren't enough hours in the day to do that whole to-do list, right? And breaking it up into chunks allows our brain to actually you know, look at the information and say, oh, that's doable. And then after those three things are off your to-do list, if you want to add more things to your to-do list, do it. But starting with just those three things allows you to be a little bit more discerning about what is an emergency and what's not, you know, and um, then we can make some decisions about what we'd like to add back onto the list for the day. So every day I get to work, I make a three-part to-do list for work. These are the things that have to get done with the realistic time that's available, you know, in place. 
And then um, as soon as I cross something up, then I can add another thing to it. So it seems like there's a lot of to-do lists going on. I know, but (laughs) (laughs) with like, if you do a set it up Monday, you do kind of a brain dump of all the to-do lists. And then you take out a post-it note and you put three things on it that you'd like to get done that day and then uh, go from there. Oh, I like that. I love post-it notes. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we talked a little bit about the to-do list as nurses and I'm sure teaching and many different professions, you just cannot do it alone. You have got to lean on right. your team. And so, you know, you talk a little bit about shared responsibility. What does that look like at home and at work? How can we integrate that more into our day? Yeah. So creating an environment of teamwork is a long is a process, right? It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And at, at work, in some ways, it's easier because people are paid to do it, right? <laughs> you know, uh, they they uh, know that they're part of a team, but there's some community building that needs to go on through that. So at home, you know, making sure first the baseline of it is making sure that when you do have time together, that it's some positive time. You know, we want to make sure we're investing into our relationships, and that goes for staff as well, as much as many of us roll our eyes at team building activities, they are actually quite helpful for ensuring that everyone feels like they're part of something, right? We all we all want to be part of something and actually having the shared responsibility at home or at work allows us to feel like we have purpose. We We want to contribute. So I'm a teacher and so I was sitting there with my kids one day and we were talking about all the things that happen as you get older and one of them raises their hand. He's eight. And he goes, my mom lets me do the laundry. And I'm like, oh, where are you from? I come to my house. Um, <laughs> and, but that, but that feeling, and then another kid raises their hand and they're like, my mom has been letting me do the laundry for years. And I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're eight. So, <laughs> um, but really like there's a pride in it, you know, of I'm part of this family. I'm part of this system. Now, at first, it doesn't go that way. (laughs) You know, at first, there's a lot of delegation. So what we I talk about the adult chore chart, and it includes the kids as well as just literally listing out every single thing that needs to get done in the house, including including paying the mortgage, and really delegating out all of those activities, including the bills that you pay and the tasks that have to get done and the dogs that need to be fed and the laundry that needs to get done and start listing that out about who needs to do what. And when there's complaints about it, it becomes very obvious of who is carrying most of the workload, right? The parents are probably carrying most of the workload and, um, you know, offering other options, allowing choice. That's part of a community. And and maybe that works at, at work too. Like, what are the things that doesn't have to be done by certain people or there's a choice in, you know, some people are better at some things than others. And and maybe there's some wiggle room there at work as well. Um, I, I team teach with another person and that person and I kind of take on the tasks that we're the most strong, you know, we have the most strength in. And so therefore we might ask each other, oh, do you want to do this or do you want to do this? Um, and therefore we have choice. So choice kind of brings that buy-in and then making sure that you have those systems and routines in the house so that anyone can pick them up. And then that also means 
picking them up for other people sometimes. You know, we sometimes, especially with our kids, we're like, no, that's their chore. And so they need to do it because we need to teach them responsibility. But we also need to teach them teamwork. And you know what? My daughter does the dishes every day when she get home gets home, but um, you know, sometimes we'll take over the dishes for her or sometimes we're really tired. And so she'll go out and walk the dogs for us instead and creating that give and take. So it's not, well, I'm the one that's responsible for this and you're responsible for that. Delegation is more about like, how can we all be helping each other in order to achieve a common goal? I love that. I really love that. Cause that seems to be a constant struggle at my house, uh, in particular between my two boys, like that's your job. No, this is my job. And so I don't see a lot of the teamwork. But then uh, now that I look back, I don't know that we're role modeling the teamwork as much as we could be either. Sure. So that's a great point. I love it. Yeah. And, and you know, it works at, at work too, because I think we get so like, well, that's my job or that's not what I'm supposed to do, especially as we go up higher. You know what I mean? In the ranks, like we're like, well, that's, that's not my job anymore. I mean, not that everyone does that, but I could see myself doing that. <laughs> and, you know, being willing to to take on some of the tasks for other people um, so that they kind of feel like that you're there for them or, um, you know, asking how you can support other people when you do have that wiggle room creates that community and fills everybody's bucket. So that way, if there is an emergency or you need somebody's help, it's easy to ask for. Yeah. There's a saying in nursing, and I'm sure it's not just in nursing. This probably came from somewhere else. But, you know, as a leader, you don't ask your folks to do something that you won't do. Right. And so I think that um, really resonates with that. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure you have to have a lot of community and teamwork in, in your profession because you guys are all relying on each other to help other people. And it's extremely important. So I think that that's extremely valuable that you have that idea already. Yeah. I don't know that it's across the board with everybody, but it's definitely where we are aiming to go. So mm-hmm. great. <laughs> so Anna, you know, what's one thing that the listeners can do today? Uh, so one thing at home and one thing at work that they can do to really demonstrate how much they value their time and become more productive. Well, first, it's that mindset of time is valuable. And so remembering that anytime that you get pulled to do something else, And then in that, also creating to-do lists that are realistic in your day-to-day things, um, in your day-to-day work life and home life that resonates with that time value. I think that that is the biggest thing that people tangibly can take away is that we – valuing the time means that we're going to start doing actions that go along with that and just starting with – Make your to-do list less complicated, you know, at home and and at work. The three-part to-do list will change your life if you let it. <laughs> I know. I look at mine right now for the podcast and I'm like, oh, there's about 22 things on there. Let me. <laughs> right. So, and realistically, yeah. when that stuff can happen and and start setting up your week for success that way. So I, I think that that's a really helpful thing just to start with, just to dip your toes in the water. How could I make this my must-dos and my may-dos? Well, listen, Anna, today has been uh, truly enlightening and eye-opening for me, and, and I'm sure my listeners have taken away a, a ton of actionable items in terms of really feeling better about where they're spending their time. If folks want more information or want to find out more about what you do, where can they find you? 
Yeah. So I'm on all the places, but my website is the easiest way is Anna DeSalvo, D-E-S-A-L-V-O.com. Um, and that's just kind of a good hub for all my things. But I'm on Instagram um, on Anna DeSalvo and then also Facebook. I have a community um, of working parents that are working moms specifically where we're really working on our time management and our ability to show up for ourselves the way we show up for everyone else. Awesome. Well, it was great having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to hearing like the progress and anything that you do along the way as well, because productivity is my jam. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Anna. Thank you. 